Welcome to the first ever episode of Your Anxiety Playground, a podcast that I hope can really help you with your anxiety. And this is a particularly good fit for those of you with anxiety challenges or mental health diagnoses related to anxiety. And some of the the specific ones would be panic attacks. So if you struggle with panic attacks, I think this could be really helpful for you. Generalized anxiety disorder or generalized anxiety concerns. Any specific fears or phobias like heights, spiders, snakes, enclosed spaces, flying, needles, any of those phobias. And including, in particular, actually, I love working with social anxiety, social phobia, when the anxiety comes in those social settings. So I think this will be a good help for that. And then this also... I think can be really helpful for obsessive compulsive disorder and the anxiety that's just wrapped in and pretty central to that. So my name is Nate Page. I'm a licensed psychologist and a certified group psychotherapist. And I work with anxiety day in, day out with my individual clients and then with my group therapy clients. And one of the reasons why I like working with anxiety so much is because people make big changes with anxiety. And of course, there's a lot of mental health Uh, diagnoses that I work with, but anxiety is one of the things that people do make changes with. They make pretty big changes and someone can come in with panic disorder, for example, and then that can go away or generalized anxiety disorder can go away or the specific fears and phobias can become a thing of the past. And so um, I'm wanting to try out this podcast format just to see how this impacts people. And and I'm, at least in my mind, on my end of things, I'm, I'm thinking, Uh, probably about 90% of what I would say in this podcast and plan to say will be helpful for you if you struggle with generalized anxiety or specific fear or phobia or panic attacks or obsessive compulsive disorder. And so, um, but I also want to know how this actually does impact you. So please let me know. The way that I'm framing this is I, I want to speak to clients or people that I, that I oftentimes see coming into my practice. I've probably met with I don't know, 500 clients in my lifetime that are coming in for anxiety-related concerns. So my audience, at least in my mind, are those folks, people that are coming in wanting to change some sort of anxiety concern. And so, at least in these first few episodes, I want to do the things that we oftentimes do in the initial sessions of therapy. And I know that a lot of people struggle with whether they want to come into therapy or not, and some people are not yet ready to, or maybe it hasn't been a good fit with your therapist. So I'm hoping this podcast can be helpful to you. And there's probably a good chunk of you that can really make some good progress and do some good work just based off of the education materials that you have in this podcast. And of course, this is not therapy. <laughs> this is a podcast. And, and so in no way, shape or form should this, uh, the material or the ideas or the things that I say here be construed as, as being something that's part of therapy. And the main reason for that is that I don't know how this is landing on you. When I'm in therapy with someone, I mostly listen, at least initially, to really understand you and your context, your anxiety, what is going on for you. And oftentimes that can change depending on the person that I'm sitting with. So my hope is that probably about 90% of what I share will be helpful for you. But of course, there's pieces that won't be. So it's, it's good to be a smart consumer of a, a podcast like this. And one of the best examples, I think, or maybe analogies is If I were, let's say I was a nutrition specialist talking on a podcast and I was really talking about the benefits of peanuts and how healthy they can be and how it's a good thing to incorporate peanuts into your diet. But if you are allergic to peanuts, then of course you would want to ignore that advice. 
And so it's the same thing with this. Hopefully, hopefully, like I said, 90% of what I share will be helpful for you and your anxiety concern. And then hopefully you can, you know, do a good job of discerning what's not helpful for you. And then if you're in a place where you're needing therapy, um, I encourage you to reach out and find someone, find someone that's a good fit. Or if you're already in therapy, you can bring some of these ideas in and, and see if it's a fit with the approach that your therapist is making with you. And I will quickly share too, just to provide a little bit of context of how common anxiety concerns are. There is data from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, NAMI, that shows that about one in five adults in the United States would be diagnosed with an anxiety concern within this last year. So it's quite common. And and NAMI also guesstimates, (laughs) guesses that about one in four people would qualify for an anxiety diagnosis at some point in our lives. So it's very, very common. Of course, everyone experiences anxiety. We all do. It's a very, very important piece of human existence. But for about 25% of us, at some point in our lives, it turns into an anxiety disorder where it's intense enough or or interfering in our lives in a way that, that makes it harder to do what we want to do. And the anxiety can maybe even backfire, become something that's limiting us as opposed to something that's helping us. And so with the ideas that we'll talk about in this podcast, I'm wanting to help shift that, especially for those of you that are struggling with an anxiety disorder or are wondering if you have an anxiety disorder, and to be able to shift your anxiety back to a place where it's really helping you, as opposed to where it's getting in your way and making life harder. And in this first episode, I want to just talk about what anxiety is, and that's a good, I think, base, a good uh, ground zero point before we start talking about how to make changes with your anxiety. And so what is anxiety? And when we use that word anxiety, usually there's three parts to it. There's the physical part, there's a mental cognitive part, and then there's the emotional part. And the physical, the physiological part, uh, usually we're referring to that fight, flight, or freeze response that happens in our bodies. And so maybe you've heard of that, the fight, flight, or freeze response. If you want the fancy word, that's the sympathetic nervous system that's getting activated. And so that word, that phrase, sympathetic nervous system, that'll pop up on AP exams or Jeopardy or other things. But that's where our heart starts to beat a little faster, our blood starts to pump a little bit more, our breathing rate increases, our muscles become maybe a little bit more tense, and it's our body ready to move, ready to act. It's that fight, flight, or freeze response. So the blood moves into our major muscle groups, and it can move away from our digestive tract, And so if we have like butterflies in our stomach or we feel a little nauseated, that's usually because the blood is moving to our major muscle groups. Sometimes your hands might get cold or clammy. Again, that's usually because the blood is moving away from your extremities into your major muscle groups. And so there's, you know, a number of other things that might happen. Your eyes can dilate. Um, and, And I mean, there's all those stress hormones that might be coursing through your body. And it's a really, really helpful thing. It's something that you want if you're going to give a public speech or if you're going to take a test or if you're going out on a first date or, or whatever it might be. It can be really helpful to have that sympathetic nervous system activated. And in fact, there's a lot of research showing how beneficial that is and, and people's performance improves the more that their 
sympathetic system is activated. And so it's really helpful in athletic competitions, in cognitive tests, in musical performances, in social interactions, even with things like sex. Um, the more that your sympathetic system is activated, the better you're able to perform and do. But that only goes up to a certain point. And then the more that your sympathetic nervous system is activated, actually the worse you tend to do on these things. So it creates this fascinating bell curve where the more that your sympathetic system is activated, the better you perform until a certain point. And then the more that it's activated, it starts to de decrease your performance. That's called the Yerkes-Dodson stress performance curve. And there's something like, I don't know, 40 to 50 years of research showing how that plays out on all these different performance tasks. And so a lot of people that come into my office will, will explore the ways that the anxiety has been really helpful to them and then the ways that the anxiety hasn't been and, and try to figure out the points in time when the anxiety starts to get too much to where it decreases their ability to enjoy life or to perform in the way that they want to. So um, we're talking about the physical side, the physiological side. I'll quickly note just there is the counterbalance system, which is called the parasympathetic system. So if the activating system is the fight, flight, or freeze, the counterbalance parasympathetic system is sometimes referred to as the rest and digest system. So that's what kicks in that slows your heart rate down, slows your breathing rate down. And those two systems are working in, in tandem all the time. But a lot of people with anxiety concerns, their physical anxiety can get out of control or it's activated too much of the time. So that's the physical side of things. There's also always a mental side, which is usually interpreting what's going on as dangerous. There's some sort of danger or there's something that I need to avoid or escape. So anxiety, it gives us that energy of, I want to get away from something bad. And, and so usually, I mean, the thoughts might be worrisome thoughts or interpreting the world around me as there's some sort of danger. Lots of times people will use the phrase, of, oh, I feel like there's in a sense of impending doom. I might not even have something specific in my environment that I'm scared of, but I just have the sense that I need to be scared and so that's oftentimes, and, and so we dive into those thoughts a lot more to try to understand, well, what is the thinking that's getting hooked in with these physiological um, processes that are, are playing out? And then there's also the emotional side of things, which is very interconnected with the mental and, of course, the physical. And usually there, there's something going on emotionally. Uh, it can be fear, but also it could be, you know, any number of painful or unwanted emotions and oftentimes we start to engage with them in a way that, oh, I want to avoid them or escape them. So it could be something as simple as sadness or grief or maybe embarrassment or shame. Or sometimes it's anger, frustration, resentment. Or it could be any number of painful or uncomfortable emotions. And so in therapy, we'll work, of course, with the physical side of things and wanting to help your parasympathetic system engage and help you calm down. We'll work with the mental side of things to try to understand your thought processes, what's going on there and ways that that's helping you or maybe not helping you. But then we also really want to understand what is going on emotionally. And it's just fascinating how often people are unable to work through some sort of emotional concern because the anxiety is getting in the way and trying to protect them from a perceived danger. 
But as we unpacked the grief or the shame, the embarrassment or the anger or whatever it might be, the anxiety also goes away. So that's when we use the word anxiety, usually those three things are at play, the physiological, the mental, and the emotional. And it becomes disordered usually when we get stuck in some way and the anxiety becomes too intense maybe, or it's lasting way too long, or we're feeling anxious about something that, uh, that makes it so life, it gets in the way of our life. So an example is someone who was scared of worms. They didn't have really any other phobias, but for some reason their anxiety had attached to worms, which on a day-to-day basis didn't impact them that much. But then whenever it rained and the worms would come out from underground and would maybe be on the sidewalks, initially before therapy, they, they couldn't go outside. And so, of course, that limited their ability to go to class, go to school, to, of course, be able to hold a job in the future. So that was something that they definitely needed to face and work through that, that fear of worms. And they were able to, to do so. And so um, hopefully this lays a bit of understanding of what anxiety is and, of course, provides some understanding of coming into therapy uh, the things that you would work on, or if you're trying to do this without going into therapy, it's helpful to to understand where your anxiety and how it plays out in your body, but then also try to understand what's going on with your mind, your thoughts, your belief systems, the way you're interpreting the world. And then, of course, any emotional wounds or other things that, I mean, most human beings have, um, but ways that you're getting stuck and the anxiety is is probably trying to help you but it's getting you even more and more stuck because you haven't yet been able to work through those emotional concerns. So this next episode, we're going to talk about something that I think is really, really helpful to start out understanding. And it's the difference between anxiety and excitement. And you'll start to see some of the ways that the physiological and the mental and the emotional start to play around with each other. And some of the ways that they can unhealthily get wrapped into each other and you get stuck. And being able to pull those apart uh, can help people start to really get unstuck and move forward and and learn new ways to help their anxiety leave them alone for long periods of time and help their anxiety show up in ways that are really helpful at times. And the last thing, I, I kind of already made this disclaimer, but I do want to quickly say, I really believe that the things that we'll talk about in this podcast will be helpful for most anyone with anxiety concerns, and that probably 90% of what we talk about will be helpful. But the big caveat that I want to make too is, if trauma is a part of your story, then I would take the things in this podcast with a few extra gra- grains of salt. Um, if 90% of this is helpful for folks that have anxiety concerns, I don't know, maybe maybe 70% of what we'll share is helpful for folks that have anxiety concerns and trauma that's wrapped into it. And one of the main reasons for this is when you're working with anxiety, exposure is really always part of the treatment process. No matter what anxiety specialist you go to, any, any anxiety clinic in the world, uh, they will help you with exposure. And exposure is what really does the trick for anxiety. It's the exact opposite of what people want. People don't want to be exposed to their anxiety coming into therapy. They want to escape it or avoid it or somehow not face it. But that only entrenches us farther in our our toxic relationship with anxiety. So exposure is always part of the, the treatment for anxiety. 
Now, figuring out the best way to do that, and you know, there's an art to it, and people need to really have agency and, and engage in it when they're ready. If you try to force people into it, it, it will backfire and won't be helpful. But exposure is really always part of the treatment plan. Now, when trauma is part of the picture, it becomes more complicated and more uh, nuanced, and you need to work with a therapist that really understands trauma. And because exposure might not be the best fit, and so needing to understand how to really heal and work through that trauma and, and you know, the post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic anxiety and do that in a way that, that is really healing and helpful. And so, um, so that's why some of the things that we'll talk about in this podcast and the exposure work that you would need to start doing with anxiety, you want to be a little bit extra careful if trauma is part of your story. So we'll leave it at that for this first episode. And um, please join us for this next episode where we'll really dive into anxiety versus excitement. And I think you'll start to see why this is a really important place to start. And I think it will make sense too why this podcast is named Your Anxiety Playground with that hope, that goal, that dream, that fantasy that you can get better at playing with your anxiety and getting unstuck in that way. And your life can really open up in some fun, exciting, empowering ways, the more that uh, this can become a playground for you to face your anxiety and work through your fears. So take care and we'll, we'll hopefully catch you in the next episode.